0: The Fable & Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Welcome back to the
2: grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Della Borovic as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band left the Iron Kestrel behind. Eli applied his naval knowledge to the investigation. Atticus presented his first theory about evidence, ever. And Valentine ordered Dr. Thaddeus Thunderhorn to report any abuses he suffers at the hands of the crew. What will happen now they've found an abandoned capital ship in the middle of an asteroid field? Find out next in this episode of The Valentine Heresy.
3: From the rarely read naming ships and how to name them log. (laughs) It would just seem to me that naming any kind of vessel where such things occur. Mercy for the pure is a bit. Well, perhaps ironic, perhaps sad. But then again, if there's one thing we've learned in our long history as a species walking these stars is that the Emperor has a tremendously good sense of irony. Before you is a massive dark shape um, blotting out the meteors behind it um, as you you float in the Marnie's song um, in front of a uh, just a, a massive um, hulking ship. Um, Grimly has pulled you up in front of it. Um, you're obviously at distance. And from where you're sitting, uh, the lights are not on. Uh, this thing is very much just dead in space, uh, and you know, unlike uh, well lit movies, uh, of which there are increasingly <laughs> few, um, that literally just means it's like like someone just erased things in front of you in space it is uh it is uh large and an ominous um and uh just generally uh kind of bad uh out of uh, paranoia both of uh space pirates and fear of Atticus vis uh grimly has uh turned you down to just running lights only um so you know you're in very much like uh, what i would dub star trek helmet blue where you know everything is dim aside from like David Fincher movie or Star Trek helmet, like low blue light. Um, lights
1: shining directly into your face. <laughs> yeah, so that
3: you can be seen, but also can't see exactly what you want when you're in space on your own. Yeah. <laughs> um, or flying a ship, Battlestar. Um, so yes, you're um, uh, you're looking at this. Uh, all of you have gathered on the bridge. Um, Morgan uh, has, has joined you, um, of course, because basically as soon as I think the, the lights went out, that was probably your cue, Morgan, to like, maybe just abandon the espionage for for a bit and <laughs> come see uh, what the fuck is up. So that is what the fuck is up. Um, that is what you are looking at, and um, grimly just kind of turns to you, uh, Valentine, and uh, says, um, uh, "Well, sir, as I said, this is uh, this is where that that distress signals originate, and though." can't say that i see many readings for for power of course it doesn't take much to run a beacon so there's here's that yes
4: but it does take a great deal of power to run a ship of that size and one can't exactly flip a switch and have it activate which is reassuring uh can we do you have any kind of passive sensors something that won't you know ping them or someone if they were trying to observe so we could see
3: and try to learn more about this vessel before we approach um, and, uh, he just kind of nods, uh, and of course, given that you're on Billingberg's ship, there's all manner of, like, you know, off-market adjustments, uh, to it. So he flicks a couple switches and, um, just kind of, like, uh, essentially sets a, a low-level scan, um, the kind of thing you would do if you, I don't know, needed to figure out who was aboard an Imperium ship that you were, you were docking with, uh, are they going to be a problem for you? Are they not a problem for you? are they on your side? Are you going to kill them? That, that sort of, uh, scan, um, the inquisitorial special. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's part of the welcoming kit. Uh, it's just like you get an, uh, a rosette and that. Um, so, uh, he says, uh, well, it's, uh, it's an old one, uh, old model for sure. But, uh, would so seem to be a, uh, a medical frigate uh, uh, one of the, one of the old uh, old hospital ships uh, these things were popular a long long time ago um you know uh back when there was still i think some hope of uh well recovery from injuries rather than uh Shall we say repurposing for the services of the Imperium? And he like mimes a servo skull uh, floating around. And this tracks with, with I think, Eli, you would know about this, Valentine, you would know about this, uh, Atticus and Morgan, this would probably be outside your, your realm. Um, but like Imperium medicine isn't great. It's a lot of, I mean, Atticus, you experienced this firsthand during Case File Atticus which hopefully you all listen to. And if not, go listen to it. It's fun. Um, but uh, a lot of battlefield medicine and a lot of just kind of like, how do we fix you with stuff? Not let's nurse you back to health. Um, so these things kind of fell out of vogue a long time ago. Um, Hmm. Valentine, you'd only know about this, um, casually. Like this wouldn't be something that you would have studied. Um, Eli, I think just given your interest in ships, like these things are an interesting relic, um, because they're from a time when, uh, the living quality aboard a ship was actually considered, which isn't really something that exists so much anymore. It's true on Cainhurst's yeah. ship because it it's a luxury vessel, but generally things are built for um, function now, not for uh, sort of, I guess, for like mercenary function, not for... Uh, well,
1: it's comfort. also like on an Imperial ship. It's like if you're not doing well, then you're probably not performing as you should be, you should probably just die and let someone else replace you. <laughs>
3: Hence the, we could try and heal you over a span of months, or we could just melt your skin off and turn you yeah. into a very useful floating skull. Yeah, exactly. Look, those adornments don't come from nowhere. <laughs> Servitors um, have to come from somewhere. That's everybody. what I'm talking about. They don't grow on trees. <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they grow in wombs, and then up into adults, and then back into servitors. I'm only just now
5: it. getting the servitor talk and finally <laughs> finally understand.
3: <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> um. <laughs> when a mommy and daddy don't love their baby very much. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was trying to figure out where the Adeptus Mechanicus comes in. It's like a weird, creepy stork They're with a bunch stork. of robot arms. Yeah. Yeah. They're the stork.
0: And they take the
4: baby away and make it into something useful for the Imperium. It's yeah.
5: like a Santa stork.
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: I mean, look, he's already got the robes. Um, S4 and T4. <laughs> uh, considered blasphemous on many Imperium worlds. Uh, on others, just think of an, an aspect of the Emperor himself. Um, possible chaos demon. So, um yeah, this is uh it's an oddity and I mean Eli you wouldn't really know too much about it other than just like the look of it is odd for for an like a vessel of the Imperium. Um it is large and bulky uh from what you can see again it's it's just kind of a dark uh shape against uh thing, but it doesn't look as much like a cathedral as um a lot of ships do. Definitely still has battlements and things because 40k mm-hmm. baby um, but uh, this thing would feel clunky and kind of out of place uh, amongst the ships that you're you're used to. Um, oh, yeah. But again, you can't. You don't. You know, it's not a pocket ship for you that you just know a bunch about. You just know yeah. that these things were in vogue back when there was still a hope of, you know, flying your your guardsmen in for for, okay, assistance. So very old, very very big. All right. We need to identify the location
4: of where this beacon is coming from because whatever is there is likely the system that is functioning most in tune, one might say, with a power source. At which point, we can rip the data we can find, learn what became of this vessel and the others surrounding it, and then perhaps uh, chug off back to somewhere else and find Canehurst's actual ship hoping to use this knowledge. Is there somewhere where we could
3: uh, submit a boarding party nearby this beacon? Um, so Grimly... Um doesn't actually, he can't pull up schematics for this. The ship is that old that they, they aren't really on file anymore. But um, he says, uh, well, uh, based on uh, on my understanding of how these things uh, were, were built, uh, they had a lot of ships coming in and out to drop off the wounded and to pick up the, uh, the soldiers who had recovered. So, there's sure to be a couple of proper landing platforms uh, somewhere. They didn't land in the ship itself, uh, but would, would land outside and uh, bring them in that way. That said, there should also be an emergency landing uh, somewhere near whatever the uh, the triage or ER space was. This is still true of medical ships, so I got to assume it was true then, too. But, you know, if you got someone who's flatlined and you don't exactly want to find parking, you just kind of want to crash land and drag them out.
1: Sir, may I suggest that we do a more active scan to ensure that there are no booby traps or anything mines in the vicinity that might uh, destroy unsuspecting
4: vessels such as ours. The only thing to balance against that is do we want to give an active signal before we're able to shield ourselves with the bulk of the vessel itself? What would you say the odds are of it being mined? He's just looking at an expert. Everybody else is here, but this is all eyes for Eli. Eli. It's impossible to give the odds, sir.
1: We're in unknown territory.
4: Okay, well, if you had to give the odds, what (laughs) would you give them as? Stealth or a ping? Those are our options. The risks are clear for both.
1: I have to recommend a ping, sir.
3: All right, run the ping. All right, so... uh... Okay. Grimly just kind of um, nods and um, just sends out like a pulse um, to to ping uh, the ship and kind of bounce off it to uh, the local area. Um, the ping uh, shows that there is like the ship is very large, um, mm-hmm. as as you expected. Um, it does not pick up any mines, uh, although it does pick up um, uh, additional wreckage um, that uh, seems to have a similar uh, signature to the haulers. Um, so just kind of drifting a little further away, a little bit behind, um, the Marnie's song. Um, but, uh, it picks up that and then the ship itself. The, in terms of the, the signal, it's very difficult, um, to like narrow the field on that, um, because there isn't much to, to scan. Uh, it's just coming from somewhere aboard the ship. Interesting. Uh, Morgan, how are you with slicing? Are you good with the
4: data? Machinery hauling things out of, one might say, unwanted places in a digital sense.
5: I appreciate your faith, Inquisitor, but it is more of the stealth if you needed someone to go scout ahead. But technology is not my strong
4: suit, you could say. Well, unfortunately, that appears our only tech expert is Gideon Kotov, who's now being promoted to inquisitorial agent for this mission, because we can't risk losing any data over this insertion. Let's find a way to get aboard that ship, the closest landing point to the beacon. We'll need some kind of quarantine suit, some way that we can seal ourselves off from the environment, at least in terms of our lungs, and I don't know what atmosphere is available, so that's Thaddeus Thunderhorn's problem. And then Eli and Atticus. We are going to need some kind of breaching cutter to get us through doors that no longer have power. Obviously, we have your fist. I'm not complaining about that. But at the same time, we might want something with a tad more precision.
3: I'll see what we have aboard, sir. And uh, Gideon uh, is just like, uh, well, (laughs) I I didn't uh, expect I'd be going from uh, prisoner to a member of the team so fast, but... uh, Looking forward to, to working working with y'all, and he like does a wink and a finger gun, like he, he like winks one of his mechanical eyes uh, and gives a finger gun to Atticus. Oh, he bristles at that; doesn't like that at all. <laughs> and then he like toddles off to his lab. Yeah, good because <laughs> was not. Eli, it's best, Eli, it's best
1: that he leaves. yeah, Eli kind of <laughs> m- mutters like "Know your place, heretic" as he's like going off to find.
3: <laughs> uh, like Thaddeus hears it and just nods and, and mutters like mm, "Yes, yes, this this is wisdom," <laughs> and he like kisses his, uh, his Aquila. Um, okay, so uh, Atticus, you're going in search of precision breach tools. Um. And then uh, Thaddeus is going in search of. I think it's safe to say that you would have just kind of standard. Um, we'll say probably like uh, breather masks is probably the the easiest uh, easiest thing for this. Um, it's a it's a big enough ship that even with damage, like the the initial scans suggest that you know you it, it's not compl- it's not in a vacuum. There's enough atmosphere inside that you'll be able to move around as long as you've got kind of the the breather masks on um tom knowing that we're in a relatively
4: well-equipped ship would we have access to mag boots uh which are boots that allow you to magnetically seal two floors and or walls in zero g so you can walk around like a human oh that's why they're
1: i have mag boots
3: (laughs) okay well Well, i mean i don't know did you go to jail for the the Crimes of uh, Castor Troy. Because if so, then yeah, you got those mag boots. But if not, um, I think it would be safe to say there's probably <laughs> two pairs of mag boots. It's a well-equipped ship, but Kanehurst also expects other people to do the work. Or sorry, not Kanehurst. Uh, Billingberg would have expected other people to do the work for him, uh, and he kept a pretty light crew. So I think there's there's two pairs kicking around. It sounds like Eli brought his own, which is nice.
1: I paid for those. Those are mine. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Bought them from the surplus store. Yeah, <laughs> I brought this wall from home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say you've got uh, two two pairs. Knowing
4: how dexterous Morgan is, and if Morgan is going to be scouting and or disappearing into ducts, it feels like they would be the least useful for Morgan. Uh, Valentine is will issue them to himself and Atticus. Kotov's probably got a bunch of fucking robot arms and shit, oh, yeah, so he's, he's not fine. worried about it. He's him. fine,
3: baby. Um, also, realistically, if you want Atticus to be able to punch things with any weight, if he's in zero G, he's gonna have a hard, he's punching time. himself away from targets. Just unleash a haymaker and go flying backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll just be a Smash Brothers character, really. It's just like floating yeah. in awkward directions, <laughs> and punching. Um, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. Um, so you equip those. I think in terms of uh, precision breaching material, um, it, he doesn't have like. There's not like a SWAT kit on board um, but there certainly are um, torches and things that would be used yeah. for repairs I'd except a, a, a man portable industrial cutter of some kind Well yeah. what's Ken that to come champ?
1: through right?
3: Yeah yeah of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how could he not? Um, yeah, there's definitely um, uh, that for you know patching up the ship and I think it's easy enough to find it's in Kotov's lab because he's been using it mm. to build his weird lab. <laughs> um, so you're able to do that. Um, it, it's annoying to you, Atticus, but he's also managed to make it more portable, um, so it's almost more like a, a hand a hand torch. You don't need to carry, like, a bunch of stuff. Um, he's managed to miniaturize it. Um, it's still... Um, I think we'll say it's still a two-handed um, tool if you want to use it with precision. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of it... Um, I'm almost imagining, like, the size of a Tommy gun. Okay. Um, so with a, or like, realistically, it's a super soaker, but like, uh, probably gonna sounds cooler. <laughs> um, so it's got like a big tank on it, um, but it's, it's like the size of a rifle now. So you can, it, it, you know, you don't have to carry around, you don't have to do the no country for old men carry. Um, it's got enough <laughs> yeah. uh, on it. If it, if it doesn't uh, have a sling, I'll fashion a, a sling for it. So I sure. can carry it over my sense. shoulder. Yeah. And actually, realistically, uh, you could one hand it in your power fist. Um, if you needed to, it would just be less accurate because you're, yeah, you know,
4: <laughs> not 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 made for delicate work. That
3: no, no, um, that part of my body. Yeah, <laughs> cool. So you're kitted out with all of those things. Again, grimly scans suggest that um, it'll be uh, unpleasant on there. You can almost think of the air as being thin. Um, there, from the the initial ping, you can he he doesn't have a, like a full schematic of the ship or anything but he has been able to determine that there is damage um, to it Uh, there are pieces missing Um, in some cases uh, like um, full wings of the hospital are missing um, from uh, from the ship Uh, the weird thing being it's so big that that doesn't really make it any more manageable Um, but it does mean that there has been uh, some atmospheric loss and obviously it doesn't have power Um, so, um, you've got two, um, landing, uh, so in terms of landing options, um, there are two landing platforms and a crash pad. So the landing platforms are, um, large, you can almost see them as like, uh, helipads, Mm -hmm. um, with, um, umbilicals that kind of, uh, would have like, um, those like, uh, uh, accordion umbilicals um, that would have attached uh, to allow for for uh, transfer. Of course those aren't there. so we'll say that you can safely make it across. They just like it's it's a larger space. Um, yeah. the so there are two of those. Uh, there's landing pad one or landing platform one landing platform two. They are um, kind of uh, just over halfway through the the body of the ship. so they're they'll le- drop you kind of in the middle. Uh, of the ship Um, alternatively the crash pad I'm going to use even though we're in space uh, I've drawn my maps flat um, from the top down uh, almost like I'm playing FTL Um, so Hmm. um, I'm just gonna use north south east west because it's easiest for me um, but please 4d chess it in your heads uh, so that it is not like those
1: Sorry, is north oh, right. the front of the ship or the top?
3: North the north is the um, the the back of the ship where the engines oh, are. Oh, okay. South is where you are. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So there's a platform to the east, a platform to the west. Um, there's ship missing uh, to the west. There's a wing missing. Um, not like a uh, uh, voo, voo, flying through the sky wing, but like, you know, some rich like asshole named it after his family wing of the ship is Damn. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the mirrored side on the east, um, the wing is not only there, but there is a crash pad. So, uh, like, safe to assume that both of these sides would lead to some kind of triage. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the crash pad is, you can think of that as, like, where the, the ambulance just, like, pulls up in front of the hospital for for a, yeah. a, a dump and go. Um, so that is uh, further south, so closer to the front of the ship. Um than the the landing pads. Um, also, perhaps most notably, the landing platforms are meant for like less critical deliveries or larger mass deliveries. So they will deliver you into a different part of the yeah. hospital than the the crash pad will. So those are kind of your entry vectors. From and sorry, one last thing. Uh, from the ping, um, grimly is able to determine uh, that the bridge is likely directly in front of you. Um, Yeah, it makes sense. So there's kind of a large rounded bulb at the front of the ship um, that is uh, flanked by um, cannon turrets. um, And uh, he has identified that as the bridge. It's not where the ping is coming from. He's just identified it. Also, I'm going to need it to geographically tell you where you are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sir, I would recommend taking the crash pad if there was any... mm Emergencies that took place, there may be uh, more information there where emergencies would have been dealt with.
4: All right, take us in there. I'll prepare the rest of the crew. Uh, and while this, this flight is is happening in, Valentine's going to go around and basically just arm everybody on the ship. Because if we're going to send a boarding party off the ship, the last yeah. thing he wanted, like he wants to have reserves that he can call in afterwards. Or if somebody's making a move on the ship while we're not on it, he would like it to be armed. And then he would very quietly like to go to Father Marcellus and make sure Father Marcellus locks himself on the bridge with Grimly Moody so yes. that Grimly Moody can't run.
3: Because <laughs> Father
4: Marcellus is the person that Valentine has the most faith in of not abandoning the team yeah. by being on the bridge. Um, Thaddeus would never
3: betray us, but I think he could get steamrolled by anybody. Whereas Father <laughs> Marcellus with a shotgun yeah. on a bridge with a locked door, good fucking luck. So um, you find Father Marcellus, and despite not having like put on his... like, He's still wearing his, his uh, outfit kind of tied at the waist. He's got a mask on, um, and uh, as you approach, he uh, just... Uh, kind of like uh, lowers it. So he doesn't have the Bane voice uh, and says, uh, I am afraid I do not have mag boots, but I will make do. I've, and he like shows you that he's in bare feet. He says, I've been making small balls with, uh, with my feet to, to attempt better grip. And I think if the will of the emperor flows through my feet to the deck that I can hold on long enough to get a few shots off. I look forward to this boarding action very much.
4: Father, the Emperor requires different service of you, but one that is perhaps more integral than any member of the boarding party bar myself. I require someone to stay here on the bridge and ensure that no matter the circumstance, this ship will not leave the boarding party
3: behind. I see. If the Emperor wills it, and he just very disappointedly, like, rolls his socks back on and, like, puts them back in his shoes, um, and, uh, says, uh, I regret that I will not be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with you, Inquisitor, but I respect the need for this as well. Also, I left that uh, log I was telling you about, about my adventures with Atticus. I, I left that for you um, in your quarters, so if you ever feel like reading it. That is greatly appreciated. Just like to make it episodes. clear. It's like five episodes, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's vaguely canonical, but also not.
1: Eli's standing, like, outside the bridge tapping his foot. <laughs>
3: Just to make it clear, you are the person
4: I trust most on this ship. I am putting you in my confidence ahead of an interrogator assigned by another inquisitor. You are the only person I am putting on that bridge with Grimly Moody. Lock that door. Serve the Emperor. Right now, you are the only thing that could save the Emperor from dying on the throne.
3: And, like, you didn't know a man could grow an inch um, so quickly, but he just straightens right up. He says... Uh, of course, Inquisitor, you'll have to forgive an old man a moment of weakness. I forget sometimes that there are rules beyond the battlefield that need filling. Your faith in me shall not be misplaced. And we'll find you the right battlefield in future, I promise. The Emperor seems to be sending us several. Um. He he nods and just starts, like, humming a jaunty, uh, jaunty war hymn as uh, he makes his way uh, into the bridge. And you just hear, like immediately, like, feet go up on, on the dash, and you just hear the cocking of a shotgun, um, and uh, just kind of echoing down the hall, you hear him say, Moody, have I ever told you how closely I served with Atticus Vis? He and I see things very, very similarly, you know? Uh, and then the door shuts. Morgan,
4: if you could just spare a moment.
5: Yes, Inquisitor, what can I do for you?
4: Wonderful, step into my office. And he just opens his door and kind of gets you in there and then closes the door and he's like, I haven't seen you in a while. How is your mission progressing? This is Fabius Bile reaching out to all those arch heretics and other dangerous psychopaths out there. There is only one way to truly defeat the Emperor and his pathetic lickspittles and that is to make sure that they do not unify themselves and their false beliefs and empty gods. They must not join a Patreon. They must never join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Then our cabal can rise to the heights of brutality and cruelty. We can slay every player character, skin the flesh from their bones, and leave them with no hope remaining. Unless somehow people go to Patreon.com/Dumdumdice with enough support, perhaps they could stop us. But that will never happen. <laughs>
5: I've been doing everything I can. Interrogator Cora spends a lot of time in her room, so I had to... make adjustments to keep an eye on her. As Morgan has meanwhile been... In the ceiling, watching (laughs) people's rooms, mostly chorus (laughs) for the past, however long.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm glad we installed all those Metal Gear vents. Um, Mm -hmm. They're just like good for context, context vents, I think they're called. Um, Morgan, can you please roll me? um, I was gonna say, well, I'll give you the choice. I was initially gonna say a perception, but I think that that's wrong. I feel like it's probably skullduggery or stealth, but... Um, what, uh, what do you think Morgan would be using over the span of time? I uh, basically just want to get a roll from you to see how successful you're, um,
5: Yeah. Um, I get any of those would be good, but I was thinking stealth because Morgan's not only is she comfortable being in like the bowels and the tight spaces in a ship, but she's also very easily entertained because <laughs> I think what she has done this entire day for one thing, she has Toby. So even if she's stuck in a little hole, unable to move, she can watch what's going on and have some kind of like input no matter what, because it's in her brain. But she also has the the stummer, which makes there no sound. So I feel mm. like Morgan even could be like taking snacks up into a vent, <laughs> sitting there and eating them with the sound dampener. So nobody knows <laughs> she could just be up there. So I think it's just was a matter of watching for a very long time like she just disappeared into the ceiling
3: i like that morgan is basically just any of us on mute in a zoom call it's (laughs) just like you could do whatever you want we're just like you're like breaking glass and we're just like she's so quiet (laughs) um amazing i I spent a long time in the first deus ex and then just immediately in all subsequent ones uh buying that upgrade because it's all i ever want from any character so i respect the hell out of that choice um Yay. so yeah let's go with stealth um i think uh honestly i'm not gonna set this too high you have that going for you
5: yeah you're and if un- i'm allowed to use the actual stummer it gets me plus three boost to stealth checks great love that well
3: yeah i mean i think you could definitely use that uh again yes. the other thing is like you're not this isn't like an active battlefield situation this is no. a this was- someone who is grieving but also busy doing her job and is also taking a fuck ton of drugs is not expecting be oh, <laughs> yeah. vent watchers you know um <laughs> you just, just when you enough, think
5: but, you're safe valentine yeah. finally got the full ship schematics to morgan and she's like oh yes this is my time
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's basically just a clue map there's just all sorts of secret <laughs> passages
4: um, all right, yeah, Valentine cool. is basically a secret police officer combined with a creepy Airbnb owner.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I just want to make sure no one's fucking in my hot tub. <laughs> um, no parties, he says quietly to himself <laughs> as he stalks through the
3: hallways late at night. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, truly the villain of the series. Um <laughs> All right, uh, so... <laughs> Um, Morgan, I'm going to just set this difficulty at three and the only reason it's three is just it's a it's an extended period of time and yeah. it's the, I think the best way to think of this is less like, is Morgan capable of doing this? Because I think we've determined the answer is yes and more a, how much does Cora tip her hand over that spell of time? Right, right. So that'll be the difficulty. Um, I'm going to give you a setback because vents are uncomfortable. As John McClane told us, um, you know, you know what a TV dinner feels like. Um, so you're comfortable sneaking around these things. It's just it, you know, this isn't one of those video game vents that's so large that you can like stand up or crouch. This is a crawly crawly. Oh
5: yeah, she's just wedged herself in yeah, there for exactly. sure. Yeah.
3: Um, so you get a setback for that. Um and then I'm also gonna give you a setback just for um cora coming and going. Um yes. it's it's a you're in a really great spot. Um when she's in her quarters when she mm-hmm. isn't you can like set yourself up in different places throughout the, the ship obviously but this is the only guaranteed spot you you have for her right um other than that though it sounds like you get a bunch of boost from mm-hmm. your uh your your and sorry strummer is the name a stummer stummer yeah nice um sorry for stummering over that um <laughs> so you've got that <laughs> i'll see myself out um <laughs> I think, honestly, I'm going to give you a boost for Toby just because having distraction makes your stakeout a hell of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Your mind doesn't wander as much because you can literally just leave the room. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to make a case for?
5: No, but I would, if there's story points to spend, I don't know what you've done with them.
3: It has (laughs) been a hot second. so (laughs) I've got
4: got a list of where we were at last time, which (laughs) was we had two and I think you had three, Tom, was where
3: we we, left off. Yeah. You know what? I will spend one because you're going to need a bunch of them for bigger checks than this. So... Hey, this upgrade. was
5: all that Morgan did for like days. So <laughs> Yeah.
3: Well, <laughs> Putting all
5: the spice on it.
3: Look, if you roll really high, we'll just stop the action and just do a solo series. it will be four <laughs> yep. episodes. We'll get Patreon names again. It'll be silly. Right. Um, yep. It'll Here's be called s- She Skulk. <laughs> oh, no, Wow. <laughs> A Morgan at Rawls.
5: Um, oh, all right. Here we go. I'm scared of this roll because it has so much shenanigans in it. Well, here we go. Why? Why this? Why? Two successes, two advantages, one despair. Um, what did I see, Tom?
0: Whoa, whoa, <laughs> what whoa, What have whoa.
4: I
5: seen?
3: Okay, hang you, on. You give me, pooped give me. yourself in the vent. <laughs> Only yeah. you know it, but it's so depressing. Yeah. Give, me, uh, give me those numbers again.
5: It
1: is. As the summer two, suppress two,
3: smells. Yeah. <laughs> you needed successes. to bring the snuffer. No, That's what the sucked
1: is that you pooped in there and then you had to crawl back through it. Yeah. Well, yep. It's Cora's room, so, you know.
4: And now <laughs> Cora's successes. just wandering through the place, just being like, who shit in my air vent? She thinks it's like a prank. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's hazy. It Welcome it to the Inquisition. <laughs> she's, but she's fucked up enough that she's worried she shit in her own air vent and just can't remember. Like, she's just oh, no. having a
3: time. Yeah. Thaddeus just assumes it's his fault because uh, he's a heretic, uh,
4: you know. And yeah. if anybody's pooping weird places, it's got to be the Beast guy, you know. They, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh
3: no, he he uses a very very like Niles Crane level specific bathroom. Like he's got a whole, he's got a whole thing. <laughs> oh God. No. Um. All right, Morgan. Um, two so, successes,
5: two yep. advantages, one despair.
3: One despair. <laughs> All right. Poop, uh, well that does complicate things somewhat, doesn't it? Um Okay. So the good news is you hear stuff, so that's good. Um the
5: Yeah, my other main thing I wanted to know was how much drugs does she have left? <laughs> that was a that was a main thing of my um, modernces.
3: Yeah. So um I think the uh The alarming thing, Morgan, is um, as you like as you observe her over a span of days, um, you can kind of come to understand how she managed to keep drugs like her her drug use uh, under the radar, uh, like under the nose of the Inquisition, because she seems to have like basically bolt hole drugs everywhere. It's not like she's just carrying around like I have a tin with all of my drugs in it. It's (laughs) like you've seen her somehow produced drugs from several different, like, you know, she unscrewed the back of a shotgun shell and, like, dumped out some drugs. She pulled some out of a book at one point. Um, It just suggests to you that um, she's one of those addicts where properly, like, if Valentine orders you or anyone to, like, it's not like Eli with, like, very clear bottles of alcohol where you can just say, like, we're getting rid of these. It would be very, very difficult to ensure um That she doesn't have access uh, to these things. And honestly, that kind of tracks with the, you know, raised in a hive Mm
5: -hmm.
3: kind of mentality. Um, So there's that. Um, For the despair...
1: It's nothing more than poop, Tom. We already discussed
3: uh. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I forgot you guys were GMing the game. It's cool. Yeah. Hey, did you save the emperor today? That's great. Good news. The end. Um, so for the despair, Morgan, um, you actually uh, come to find yourself like sympathizing and honestly kind of liking Korra. Yeah. Uh, it is, there's something about this kind of, like you recognize this this cycle of someone who is essentially alone, essentially kind of doing what they need to survive, and you don't get a whiff of the heresy you've been told to look for, um, hmm. which is a problem because Valentine's pretty sure there's heresy afoot. And given your own tenuous relationship to him, the fact that you like this person and it seems like she's innocent is actually incredibly bad for you. Because if you could come back with evidence that like catch a red hand, and come back with evidence, then you'd be in like Valentine's good books forever. Not saying this is necessarily how Valentine feels, but this is how I would assume Morgan thinks about people and how she uses people. Like you can't get on side, giving him good news is where the despair comes in for you. So that is a thought that is now in your head and you can do with it what you will. And you get two advantages, so you can add a boost to something in the future. Ha-ha!
5: <laughs> oh, boy.
3: Yeah. Oh, yay. What a great day. Um, Morgan, how are you feeling, then, about seeing kind of, like, weirdly a kindred spirit that you're also watching through a bolt hole, so it's a one-way... It's, it's a very rear-window relationship, but kind of just seeing Cora go through, like, her daily rituals, um, et cetera. Et cetera.
5: Yeah, I think it's really it's that's very weird for Morgan. Um, and I think it reminds her of a younger time, because prior to being in the Inquisition, she was on another ship that she was like creepy little girl on the walls that no one <laughs> knew was there for a long time. And she that was originally how she eventually befriended some of the people that she was running away with uh, was basically just watching them. Because I think she feels a lot more comfortable watching people than interacting with them directly. So, um, hmm. <laughs> so it's a very, very bad role. <laughs> it's just not a good thing.
3: <sighs> yeah. Okay. I like that a lot. So, Yeah, just re-evoking a time in your life that you had actively put so far behind you that it didn't even occur to you that you were accidentally recreating it until you were there. And then it was like, oh, yes. Right. This is why I don't do this. Okay, so um, that's where you're at with that. So uh, how much that would you reveal to Valentine? Also, keep in mind, you do have a a floating boost to whoever rolls dice next.
5: Yep, yep. Um, let's see, she would say. So, I discovered that she was doing a lot of drugs. It obscura, as I've seen. I recall you having strong opinions about Eli's usage, so I assume that you would rather her not be doing that, but rest assured. I've watched her take the last few vials that she had, and there is no more.
4: Excellent. I've organized drug tests through Thaddeus Thunderhorn. So, assuming there will be an announcement, which Thaddeus had explained, so in a week the test will be taking place, she'll pass easily, it'll all move forwards. So if she tries something underhanded, that'll be a true educational lesson about both her and our professional relationship. But if she's out of the drugs, she'll pass. I have no problems. So, Excellent.
5: Yes, I didn't see any other bad behavior from her. Mostly she seemed very sad about who knows what. Lots of crying.
4: Acceptable. Do you have any plans for her assassination?
5: Well, I had thought to use the drugs perhaps, but considering that will be out, did you not want to take her along with us on this mission?
4: I'm not interested in someone going into withdrawal joining us on a combat mission.
5: Understood. I will look into other ways of dealing with her.
4: Excellent. You could also get drugs from Thaddeus Thunderhorn. You understand that they don't have to be her drugs to look like they're her drugs, right?
5: Oh, well, I didn't know that you had Obscura on hand, but I suppose yes, if... Looked like well, a similar vial.
4: I mean, the joy of, of being an Inquisitor is we don't actually have to have the tools we need. We have to have a narrative that allows those tools to be useful. If she's an obscure addict and runs out of Obscura, what's she going to do? She's going to try other drugs that are being kept in the medical wing. We choose the drug, we set up the place, we tell the narrative. We're providing the evidence and we are the people investigating the case. Also... If there is an interrogator of the Inquisition who is hiding a drug habit, that is an extreme problem for the Inquisition. I mean, the Emperor sends us very nice problems because the Emperor also said (laughs) you'd solve it. So that's the joy, yin-yang, balance, etc.
5: I understand. You are dead set on this. She cannot be useful in some other way.
4: What way do you think she'll be useful?
5: I do not know, but I figured throwing away able-bodied people on a small ship such as this would not be good tactics.
4: You said she's doing a great amount of obscura. How is she an able-bodied crew member who is crying all the time and constantly doing drugs?
5: Well, we are going onto a medical ship, are we not? Maybe we can find something. That would help her.
4: Do you have feelings for this person?
5: Of course not, Inquisitor.
4: Well, you're showing a shocking amount of empathy.
3: Am I? I think we need some rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not lying to you. What are you talking about? So I think, um, how do we want to do this? I think it's an opposed check. So we'll just have you both roll and then see what's what. Cool. Yeah,
4: Valentine's definitely going with perception. He's got his robot eyes and he's just watching for tells because
3: there's biological stuff that even the best have trouble turning off. And Morgan, what are you using?
5: Uh, Deception.
3: Okay. (laughs) Um, so oh my God, I fucking should one love of us roll image. and use the other as the difficulty?
4: I'm sorry? Should one of us roll and then just use the other person's stats as the so difficulty? So I was going to do
3: that. I think mm. I'm actually just going to have you both roll against a difficulty and then see who who comes all out right. on top for maximum chaos. <laughs> it um, is maximum chaos. Because I don't want to basically, the reason scores. I want to do it this way is to not deny either of you all of your weird boons and bonuses. Um So with that in mind, um, Morgan, what is your cunning?
5: My cunning is four.
3: Okay. So, uh, Valentine, that's going to be your difficulty and Valentine for perception. What is your, it's also kind of cunning for it All right. right. So we've got, given that it's a, a similar difficulty on both sides, um, Inclined to drop it to three just to rein in the chaos error so slightly. So, we're going to say <laughs> okay. the difficulty of three. Um, and then I just want to hear your cases for shit. Um, there are three story points on the table. Um, obviously, you're not rolling against me. Um, I don't know that I feel comfortable bringing the dice on this one one way or another. Um, so I might just stay out of it. Um, seems the fair thing to do. All right. So um, I will
5: I will battle for one boost for my two advantages. And then I also, a, like my that. being from a quarantine world gives me one boost to deception checks made to conceal information. Nice. Wow.
1: Hell yeah.
3: All so right. That's what I, dig, I got. I dig all of that. Uh, and Valentine, what do you got for me? Valentine's
4: bionics would only help him if he was removing a, a difficulty as opposed to adding a boost.
5: Um, I'm so scared.
3: <laughs> um, Ryan, I'll let you take that as a as a boost. Um, cool. Since since we're doing a weird thing where it's like an opposed check piece, I want to make sure you get the benefit because she isn't imposing disadvantage on you. So yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, so I add that as a boost. Um, I
1: love the imagery of just Valentine's eyes moving like not naturally, just like scanning Morgan. Just it doing is the very slight like robotic. Like adjustment it it. Twitches. It's yeah. right. um, so fucking cool.
4: I would, I, I'm going to make a pitch here, but I think she's come in so soft and out of character that it's worth a boost. Cause for her to be like, what if someone who clearly has major problems is actually really useful. And we went on a dangerous mission and sidetracked to help them does not math out with anything he's seen from her. Yeah, all right. I, I <laughs> That's wanna, fair. I that That's
5: very fair. So it's thrown Morgan very much.
4: Uh, And then I will say Valentine would spend a story point because this is super fucking key for him Mm -hmm. because he's still trying to figure out if this person can actually be saved.
3: But if this person's
4: existence is corrupting people around him, that's a major fucking problem.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Morgan, I'm also going to give you a setback because you really care about the outcome of this. It's not (sighs) just for you. It's for someone else. And you're not used to having weak spots.
5: Yeah, I I feel like this is not going to go well. (laughs) There are two story
3: points still up for grabs.
4: We have also learned these are total crapshits. We can be really confident. I know that's
5: what's terrible about this. This this it's it's it is. I don't
4: know
3: don't if don't I take could, our no. pool into consideration.
4: Spend one if you want to for this. If this is an important role to Morgan, then I go think for it's it. even matter. it's
5: less.
1: Like, if Morgan's life depends on it, use the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like that's more what it feels like, and, honestly. And
3: also keep in mind, like obviously, like I don't really give a shit about metagaming too much in, in these circumstances, given the complexity of Genesis. But um, we as players tend to talk about story points in a really like. Um, transactional way what they're really meant to do is just like if it's an important moment the story point gets spent not like you yourself have spent it so I feel like honestly I would spend the story point uh, on this because I feel okay, like I'm
5: doing it I think it is it's
3: it's pretty bad man it's this pretty is all bad. really bad
5: <laughs> and, and this is she is definitely making she knows it's bad to lie to if yeah. Valentine yeah. so
3: yeah not, not the best um, okay so we have our pools yep
5: I'm skilled.
3: Morgan versus uh, Valentine in a battle for the soul of Cora. Let's see what happens.
2: This episode of the Valentine Heresy features Ryan Laplante at the Ryan Lepland on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter as Eli Sharp, Del Porovic at Del Tastig on Twitter as Morgan Rawls and our Game Master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresies artwork was created by Del Delborovic at delborovic.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chief Spy Jazz R. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org.
4: omg it's big nick d and d and things norma byers schrodinger's pepper guy edwards flea unit madre de Gatos. and jill and noel laplante if you want your name to be added to this list you can join our patreon too at patreon.com slash dumb dice thanks to them and a little bit of thanks to you
0: the fable and Folly network where fiction producers flourish
3: Good evening, and welcome to Strange Air. I'm your host, Malcolm Smith, and I'll be here
4: for the next four hours taking your calls as we explore the outer regions of reality.
0: Ten years ago, Malcolm Smith vanished from the face of the earth. One moment, he was on the air in the middle of a sentence, and the next moment, he was gone.
4: People will believe anything.
0: So, what do you think happened? I believe your father staged the whole thing.
4: I believe your daddy was taken. Do you believe in miracles? I guess people believe what they want to believe.
0: I believe I'll have a little more wine. It's time you heard the truth about your father. You're completely insane. Did someone hit you? Leave me alone! What's going on? I'm going to find my father. Strange Air. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit strangeairpodcast.com for more information.